Welcome to Being Better Podcast, where we explore the things that make us happier, wiser, and more productive beings. Hi, my name is Julia, and I am your host. Every week, I take a concept, a technique, or a story to learn how it can make us better. I hope that this show can help you become the person you've always wanted to be. So here we go. and welcome back to being better podcast i'm very happy you're here and i hope you are having a lovely day i am making an extra episode this week because i recorded this awesome interview and i couldn't wait to release it on thursday so here it is a couple of days ago i had the pleasure to chat with tristan bogard and belen castello a pair of talented creators, filmmakers and photographers who spend the majority of their time cycling all over the world. Their trip destinations include Spain, Italy, Kyrgyzstan, USA, Tajikistan, Portugal, Norway, Netherlands and so many other amazing places. But Belen and Tristan not only cycle these large distances as a way of traveling, but they also manage to record and photograph their trips and edit them into high quality productions i will link their channels in the show notes so you can check them out because they look so incredible and i think they can be a huge inspiration if you are interested in cycling as a way of travel and as a way of just exploring the world they also published a coffee book a couple of months ago containing beautiful pictures from their trips and also a lot of advice on how to travel like they do And the demand for their book is constantly growing. It looks amazing and I will also link that in the show notes. So in this episode, you will hear our chat about how to turn a passion into a career, about sustainability and slow travel, about minimalism and learning how to be alone with your thoughts and also much more topics. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you will too. So without further introductions, here is Belen and Tristan. So today I'm with an amazing duo, Tristan Bogart and Belen Castillo, of whom I really wanted to have on the show from the moment I learned about them from the first time. Um, hello, guys. How are you doing today? Hi. Hello. Hello there. We're doing good. The sun is shining outside, so it's a lovely day. Yes. Slowly summer is coming around the corner. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's February, but okay, let's just say <laughs> summer. <laughs> It's such a pleasure to talk to you. I've actually never had two guests at the same time uh, on the show before, so that should be interesting. But I think we'll manage because I think um, right now, from the amount of time you spend with each other, you have to be capable of reading each other's minds at this point. I think, uh, you know, that should be helpful with... uh, with the questions totally yeah we sometimes (laughs) things we like we are almost like not the same person but we're very in tune so we know what each other is thinking definitely yeah (laughs) you should do some kind of like team sports like badminton or uh, some kind of (laughs) i think that is helpful um but to help the listeners who haven't had the chance to learn about you yet uh could you introduce yourself and talk a little bit about uh, the type of cycling that you do and just basically what you do sure sure thing you want to go first no you go first okay well so my name is tristan i'm from a small town in the netherlands in the northwest 
And well, as you might know, uh, in the Netherlands, pretty much everyone cycles. You grow up on a bicycle, <laughs> and so did I. And basically, throughout my school time, uh, high school that is, I didn't really know what to do. Uh, the 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 school was kind of make you try to explore possibilities for your life and jobs that you might want to pick up on or studies that you might want to prepare for. Um, but throughout my time in school, I didn't really feel like I had uh, a, a solid idea of what I wanted to do in the future. So basically, when I got my diploma, I decided, first of all, I'm not going to use it yet. And preferably, I wouldn't use it at all because I didn't feel studies were for me. Uh, and secondly, I want to see if I can explore my talents uh, in other ways rather than being in a, in a study because of the, the study system in, in the Netherlands at that time. And so, well, I had, a, I think, one or two, three years that I was trying to figure this out. I uh, didn't really get to it, had a relationship that eventually broke. And at some point I felt like I wanted to do something really big and impressive, mainly just to make sure that I define my own limits and give myself a, a big project that I could live up to and complete. And that ended up being a bike ride from New York to Los Angeles in the United States in uh, 2014. And so my brother was actually the one that inspired that. He uh, told me that we should do that on a bicycle, uh, which is what we ended up doing. He joined me in that trip, had a, an accident about a week in, and so had to go home and I had to complete it myself. But basically I completed that trip and it's a whole other story. Uh, we could go into a lot of detail about that, but I uh, came home after about two months, uh, decided that that trip was something that I really liked doing. It just wasn't the way that I chose. It was uh, so compelling because I had a big backpack. I really messed up my shoulder. And so I came back, decided I want to do this. I'll invest in a, in a good secondhand bike, get some bags, start uh, exploring Europe, my own continent, you know, be close to home and, and do this. So I had already found the the, um, the kind of hobby aspect of this, the, the passion that I had for cycling. And in Europe, I took a camera with me and that eventually became a passion that eventually became a job, etc. Uh, but before uh, starting out this European bike ride, I actually met Berlin. Yeah. And I think that's where you can tune in. Yeah, I have a very different story because um, coming from Spain, um, cycling is not really a big thing. There's not uh, like a, a commuting um, philosophy there. So for me, actually, uh, bicycle the bicycle was introduced when I moved to the Netherlands. I had studied architecture in Spain and um, it's a a very intense uh, study to do. It takes uh, six years. And I just knew that as soon as I finished my studies, I wanted to go outside and uh, live somewhere else, meet new people, see how other people do things. So when I moved to the Netherlands, I got introduced to Tristan. I loved cycling to work. It was my, like my favorite part of the day. <laughs> and uh, eventually, yeah, we started a long distance relationship because he wanted to cycle in Europe and I didn't want to quit on my job. So... I moved to London, he kept on cycling in Europe, and after a year and a half, um, 
I joined him on the bike, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, it took me about one year to mentally prepare to like give up my flat, finish things at work, and then be ready to head off on the road with him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the the short form of this whole story because <laughs> there there is a lot of detail to it. But yeah. yeah, I'm sure we'll get into all of them uh, <laughs> soon. The thing is, I understand completely. You know, I think um, the jump from just being in a normal type of normal quote unquote uh, normal type of job and then switching to it it's like a lot so I completely understand uh, that it had to be there had to be an adjustment period so I completely understand um, that you took some time uh, Belen uh, with uh, with that but um, before we get to the rest of the questions I want to move on to personally my favorite segment which is recommendations so at the beginning of the show I recommend something to the listeners that I found interesting or educational or funny intriguing or just pleasant and it can be a movie a book a product podcast basically something that the listeners can experience themselves um, I recommend something of course when I remember because uh, last uh, episode I forgot to do that um, and it's always nice to have guests on the show because I have uh, I can uh, put that uh, you know quote responsibility on others uh, <laughs> so you can each do a recommendation or do one recommendation from both of you or you can just do as many as you like because I think uh, all of us love this part I mean I love this segment so for me it's uh, great when, when um, guests recommend something so uh, Tristan and Belen what can you recommend to us today? Well, yeah. First of all, I, I want to say that I really like that you put in this segment. It's super unique. We've been part of a, a couple podcasts, and nobody has asked this. I think it's super, super nice about your podcast that you put in these recommendations. <laughs> We have quite a few to make. So maybe you want to go first. Yeah, I'll make the the one that we're actually both kind of hooked in right now. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's kind of weird because it's educational after all, but. We're both um, doing our efforts with learning languages. I'm trying to improve my Dutch and Tristan is doing very well with his Spanish. So uh, we have like a little thing going now in Duolingo where we're like kind of uh, doing the same uh, lessons every morning and yeah. we spend 15 minutes at the same time. He learns Spanish, Ireland, Dutch. That's so and cute. Yeah, <laughs> but it's fantastic. I mean... I used to use Duolingo for a long time, then I stopped for a long time, and now we've got back to it. And it actually works. If you stick to it every day, like even if it's just for 15 minutes, you can actually get quite a lot learned. Yeah. And especially for you, because you have really improved your Spanish. Totally, yeah. I've, I haven't learned Spanish in school uh, pretty much. Well, I picked up a bit of Spanish when I cycled through Spain numerous times. But Duolingo is a massive recommendation for everyone out there with, uh, wanting to learn a language. The one thing you have to know, because probably some people listening to it have already tried Duolingo, you know, tried it out, see that it didn't work for them and moved on to something else. But the thing you have to know is that practicing just 15 minutes a day or 20 minutes a day or even 10, doing one lesson a day, it still mounts up to... You know, having done one day uh, for the whole year, doing 365 days of uh, language practicing, and it helps a ton. So for me, uh, Duolingo is two things. It's the, the language app. So there, that's what we use every morning to run through the lessons, and you just do them in private, the headphones in, and try to focus for a little bit. 
And the other thing is the podcast that they run. Um, just because we're already talking on a podcast platform anyway. The podcast they run is really cool, at least for the Spanish part, because they have um, like authentic stories from all over the world, Spanish-speaking community, that tell stories. Uh, they did a whole series, like a crime series, kind of like a, like a almost Netflix-ish thing, where they covered the Gran Robo de Argentina. So it's one of these big heists, and they completely recreated it from scratch and spoke to some of the people that were involved from all sides. And that was huge, and it just, you know, it turns language learning into a fun activity, like watching a series or, or you know, going for a run. So that's a big recommendation. Secondly, on the subject of podcast. Um, and this is something from my side, Belen doesn't really do it, but uh, we have the Get Sleepy podcast as a recommendation. It's uh, made by a British guy called Thomas, I think, and it's basically episodes, uh, uh, lots of episodes, uh, on just bedtime stories that some people read out. Uh, there's different voices that you can have as preferences, and they tell you a bedtime story, you just put on speaker next to your bed and you... I, at least I sleep wonderfully on it. So that's a, a massive recommendation as well, at least from my side. And then from, I think, Belen, she uses an e-reader. She reads books before bed. We can both definitely recommend the Harari book series. Uh, oh, yeah. I think you've I'm been reading it. Fan. Yeah, I've been reading, I've been recommending it on the show. Harari is, he's a completely, <laughs> you know, he's my god yeah (laughs) well you know on that subject it's just any any book usually uh, glancing on the near future is really interesting but Harari he really uh, yeah he he writes some solid stuff so Uh, and lastly I think we want to recommend the fully charged YouTube channel fully charged is also a British production Uh, they've become really big in the last 10 years and they basically cover anything from sustainable energy green electricity to electric cars or bikes or uh, you know whatever has to do with this energy transition to not burning stuff anymore and that's just a personal favorite of mine yeah that's about it right that's about it i think maybe products we can probably recommend product we could like have a whole list of things to recommend so it's better (laughs) if we keep it for yeah um so Thank you so much for these recommendations. I will definitely check them out and put them in the show notes for all the listeners to find. Um, And now I feel like I have to ask this first. Um, So from my understanding, you used to have like a regular nine to five jobs and cycling all over the world wasn't something you used to see as a plausible career path. Um, So when did you first start to think about quitting that lifestyle and doing something so unconventional so i mean i think i'm more the one uh, the person that maybe people would identify more with since i really truly went through the standard like you you finish school you immediately go to university immediately you find a job so in my case when i was young i really knew that i wanted to take a year off to travel um, I didn't do it after high school because um, because of two reasons. One, because I didn't have the money. <laughs> and two, because if I would take a year off, I would lose my spot in architecture school, which was difficult to get. So I thought, well, okay, I will go to university. And then after university, then I'll travel. 
So I finished university and then I thought, well, I'm still like with the money situation. I better should get a job and then uh, gain a little bit of experience. So then whenever I quit and I want to return, I can say, hey, I already worked for, let's say, one or two years um, and it's easier to find a job. So then I went working and... Uh, in preparation for the second year, I knew that I was eventually going to go travel and I was uh, saving some money. And then, I don't know, in my mind, I was just going to go by myself with a backpack, you know, the typical <laughs> backpacking trip. But then in the course of that time, that's when I met Tristan. And he was like, no, you should uh, come on the bicycle and join me. So in some way, I was prepared to leave my job and travel, maybe eventually come back to the job. But I was prepared to go for a long time. And it was Tristan, the one that put the shape of the bicycle on my head. Yes, yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> yeah, you had a, a a much more stark transition from from this uh, more typical lifestyle, I guess, to traveling full time. For me, it was more gradual, as I've uh, mentioned. It just went from one thing to another, trying the first trip and then trying again. And so, I think we can come from both perspectives on that. Whether you're working in a uh, in a job that uh, takes up a lot of your time, um, you know, maybe you have responsibilities at home and you just don't feel like you're in a place, you can transition towards uh, a lifestyle like ours, if that's even something you want. And if it's just a trip that you see, you know, you want to s- travel by bike for two weeks, three weeks, a couple of months at a time, because you, because you can take that time from work uh, in or- uh, without being not quitting then uh, I think your example is probably something to follow yeah I was actually super surprised because um, when I the day came eventually where I had to face my boss and tell him that I wanted to leave and it was very tough because I had a good relationship with my boss and he had just put me in new projects and it was like he really trusted me and he was really happy with me. But like I felt like I was cheating on him because for a long time I knew that <laughs> this had an end line, but I couldn't tell him because <laughs> otherwise I would be fired maybe. But eventually the day came where I had to face him and uh, I sat with him and I explained to him like that I wanted to do this for a long time and I thought it was the right moment that I was really sorry that like I couldn't tell him before in case he had made any plans and you know I thought I was just gonna quit and maybe never come back but then um, he really understood my position and he thought that it was a very good thing to do that everyone should actually do that some point in their life it's a good uh, yeah, to just explore other things. Way to broaden your mind. Yeah, and he offered me so a sabbatical cool. year. So he said, okay, you go for one year. And if after a year you want to come back, uh, just know that the door is open for you. Like, we'll be waiting for you. Spoiler it's alert, she never <laughs> came back. I never came back. But <laughs> meaning people out there, if you think that like, quitting your job might be a bad thing, maybe it's not. I think actually everyone understands this kind well, of... I mean, in, in general, in today's society, at least here in, in, in Europe, probably U.S. and I guess the more developed nations where working this amount of time in your life is accepted as a normal thing. I think nowadays there is a somewhat of a transition to seeing travel not only as a as a leisure path, but also as a path of uh, you know, growth, personal growth of uh, growing your knowledge about the world and seeing other places, perhaps other work practices. And for, for Belen, I think for, for a while we actually talked about this in terms of architecture. Uh, we talked about this for a while 
in the beginning of the trip, when you had just quit the job, we were saying, well, actually, traveling by bike through, in this case, we were in Norway, there's a lot of architecture to see, and you can see different styles of architecture and really discover that world while you're out there. So it's actually good for the job in some way. And, I mean, this really depends on the job field you're in, but you can always find a reason to attach travel or the reasons of travel to the job market that you're in uh, and use it as a good thing. And I think most bosses, uh, CEOs, company owners will agree with you that it's probably a, a good experience to have and you can always come back from it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's super nice. I think that uh, the, the story with the boss is something that can encourage a lot of people because that's a judgment from family, from coworkers, from friends. Um, it's something that people are, I think, afraid of when they want to try something more um, unconventional. Because I think if you asked an average citizen about cycling and making videos about cycling, I don't think they would see it as something from which you actually can make a comfortable living. And um, I think that a lot of people like to dream about quitting their job and trying to get their dream job. Or, um, But I think they're afraid because they don't know how to monetize their passion. And I, I want to ask you, um, how did you turn um, right a passion into a career and what advice would you give to those who are wavering about quitting their lifestyle that is not uncomfortable to them uh, because they're scared that money is going to be the main problem i if i may start <laughs> i would say that um it's the most important thing to do is not to like, quit your job and travel because you want to make out of it a profession, but quit your job and travel and travel because you want to live new experiences. You want to meet people, see other places, yeah. live other kind of stories. And it was more or less how we started. Like we didn't, I didn't stop working in architecture because precisely I want to make a career, even though it was always in the back of our heads. I just wanted to travel. And I think that's the healthy way to enter it because um, you, you can make a living out of it. Like It's very, very difficult. It's more difficult than going to university and applying for a job. But um, it is a job after all. So what we decide to show and what you see in other places is the results of the many hours that we spend behind. So it's very important that if you want to do this, you shouldn't, um, like you shouldn't fantasize with the idea of uh, the travel, like you still have to spend many hours behind sending many emails to make it work. So yeah. this is why, first of all, we would re recommend anyone to not to do it, <laughs> to just go travel and enjoy <laughs> first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And otherwise, what would be the tips? Well, I mean, I think you summed it up well that you have to have your reasons in order. But there is there's something else that's really important, and I think. Probably a lot of people that try it out or, or want to do it themselves uh, fail to see it's a path of time that you're entering when you want to become a self-built creative person in whatever creative uh, uh, talent that is, whether it's podcasting or video creation or you know, music creation, uh, photography, all these creative fields that are becoming increasingly difficult to stand out in because there's so many people trying. The path of time that I refer to basically for me comes down to the fact that when I started, and I think that was 
when I started cycling in Europe, because I took the camera with me, I knew that I wanted to do something with photography. That was the start. And I told myself then, okay, I'm going to take 10 years for this, see where I am in 10 years. And in the meantime, I'll just try whatever I can to fill in the, the money gap, uh, to not to focus on the money, to instead focus on what can I make out of this it helps other people it helps me you know makes me a happy person kind of fulfills me um and definitely not think about oh i need to get here in a year i need to be there in two years i'm going to compare myself to this person who has you know seven ten fifteen years below their belt that you don't see you only see the result so that's definitely the biggest lesson that um that i would teach i guess if i may to someone who's just starting this, who's just discovering the fact that um, there may be a way to earn money by traveling the world or by, you know, making photography your job or some other field, you have to give up uh, on the fact that it's going to come quick because it's probably not unless you're super, super lucky and super, super talented. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um and I like that, um, that you, if you want to earn money, first you have to focus not on earning money. Think First you have to make yeah. sure that what you're doing is valuable because then you are just um, switching, um, you know, you are you have that one lifestyle which you don't like and then you're probably going to move on to another lifestyle which you don't like because um, you're just focusing on money, which um, yeah. is important. I'm not going to say it's not, but... It's definitely not something we should be optimizing for. Well, you know, money money is a is a building block for for your passion, and if if you uh, if you decide to go with it, and after a, a year you decide, okay, this is not for me because I'm not there yet. I'm impatient. I'm going to do something else because you see other people around you succeeding. You think you failed. Uh, it's usually just the start of it, and I think to reflect a bit more on that. 10-year period for myself, uh, if you're gonna start something that you want to make money with, let's just let's just take the path of, of uh, photography, for, for example. So our means of making photography unique is traveling by bicycle. It gives a unique aspect to the photography side of things. And that that's the, the job path that, that we'll go with. We'll give ourselves 10 years. And then in that period, we need to figure out how to make it at the end of that 10 years to a to a basically full-time job, full-time living, something that supports you uh, in your in your life for the rest of your life. That means that those 10 years are going to also influence the rest of your life because by the time that you've made that your job, you're probably going to end up sticking with it for the rest of your life because that's you know your experience, that's the person you've become. Just like Belen went with architecture and made the really brave decision to give that up because there was so much time invested in that and, and money in that sense, that it becomes the rest of your life. So you have to be super sure that while you're figuring it out, it's really something that you want to do. And that's why money absolutely shouldn't come first because it, it always comes. You can always figure it out some way. It should be the fact that you like doing that particular thing and you like doing it for the rest of your life. So you have to be in that for, you know, the next 40 years in your mind, just thinking, I want to do this and I'm just going to do it and see how, how I can figure out 
to keep on doing it. Yeah, and I wanted to add that it's also a challenging, um, like the creative world in general is a very challenging. Yeah, it's a hostile place. <laughs> yeah, because not only because of the competition, but unfortunately because many brands and in general, yeah, like companies, media, they just see art or creative thing as something very diffuse it's not really a job so many brands are willing to just go for anything that is free that is just good enough and it's very difficult to actually get paid for a job and be recognized as a photographer or as a professional uh, bike traveler or something yeah. like that yeah. so breaking that barrier is very difficult and it actually happened also the same in architecture like it's very common i guess also in many other careers that your first year you work for free And you know you've you've paid your you've paid your university you've spent so many hours six years studying like working your ass off to you know like the first one or two years just doing things for free because theoretically you're not professional enough yet. So the same happens with this creative world. That's crazy. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I I wouldn't ever think about that because yeah, you yeah. Know, architecture is something uh, pretty respectable. Is a profession that uh, people really want to uh, strive to have and I would yeah. never expect that after you know you have you you get your student loans you, you still have to wait that's yeah. crazy but yeah. it, it happens eh? and this is the, the reason I left Spain because I knew that it was a very common thing in Spain so I left and I never accepted an offer like that I've always been paid but uh, it happens and the thing the same happens in this creative world because so many people are willing to do it for free yep. just to get the you know some uh, free gear or some advertisement then it makes the yeah it makes it very difficult for the other ones who are trying to build a career because yeah. you know they're going to find someone that does an okay job for free so yep. yeah it's something and, also and, to know and just to be humble in that we've been part of that field too we've also yeah. accepted things for free and probably made it more difficult yeah. for others that were further up the, the path to making it a career, mm. I guess. So, but it, it, of course, it fits the, uh, the, the time that you're in, the, 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 the path of, of growth that you're in. That it's, in the beginning, you, you do have to do things for free. In the beginning, you do have to you know, put in a lot of hours and get nothing in return for it because it's all an investment for the long term. And if if you do it for that reason, it's okay. If you do it just to get free stuff and you know then quit after a year, you're making it more difficult for others to succeed in that particular market or or creative uh, uh, creative job. So, so <laughs> I hope we're, <laughs> we're saying this correctly. It's it's something that is so super complicated to actually completely take apart. Yeah. But. Yeah, I think we've come down to the, the yeah. most important part. And, and one, tip, one tip that I just thought about, don't put all your eggs in the same basket, right? Oh, That's yes. what you say. Yes, like, 100%. Yeah. yeah, just even if you're working in this uh, travel resources. concept, yeah, there's so many things you can do. Don't just depend on one brand or one gen genre. Just go for a little bit of everything. Right. And when something falls, then you have a backup. Yeah, I'm going to add something yeah. else to this. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a long podcast. but Yeah, uh, feel free to say everything. I, I was going to say that Actually, this also happens in the job market, this uh, putting your eggs in one basket, because most people have just one job because you do it full time. So why would you have two, right? You have you have one job, you depend on one firm, one factory, one company, and they can fire you anytime. And then you're gone and you have to search another job to do something. And so in that sense, it's probably better if you're going to walk down the creative path to uh, put your eggs in different baskets and, like Belen said, not depend on 
one particular company or sponsor or you know some uh, talent that you have yeah i think that's very um just you know smart when it comes to like even investing you have to have different sources you don't you know have your million dollars and you're invested in one company you yeah. um split it and the same thing i think um with money with sources of your uh income i think uh splitting that and not being reliable reliable in one thing is um a way to be safe because you never know exactly what, uh what might happen yeah um yeah uh, I wanted to move on to the to, to kind of the slow travel part of your lifestyle because the way you decide to travel and uh, where you fly somewhere with minimal gear and and a sustainable is a sustainable way of traveling I would say um, in your videos I saw that you talked about sustainability and uh, that it, it is something that um, is important to you yeah. and and you want to encourage others to do the same thing. Uh, the travel that doesn't use a lot of resources. I mean, travel still is, is a travel that still contributes some remissions because you have to fly there. But uh, there is there is this. It's a very insignificant in comparison with the, the popular way, uh, mm-hmm. way of travel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, am I correct in saying that sustainability is a big driving force when you decide how your trips are going to look like? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. We we do have to recognize one thing, though, as uh, uh, humans, I guess, that traveling is a polluting luxury. And so anything you can do, if uh, that's something you're interested in, to make it more sustainable, less damaging for the environment, is to, yeah, to really look at your options and see what is in your field of possibility. And we are pretty convinced that... For almost everyone, cycling and traveling by bike is a possibility that they can choose because there's, first of all, many bicycles around. Secondhand market is booming. And even in uh, developing countries, that's an option that you can quickly choose and fall back on. And so whoever's listening to this, wherever you're listening from, there's probably a possibility for you to give traveling by bike a go in the way that fits your lifestyle, your economic circumstances, your social circumstances right now. We've, throughout this pandemic year, pretty much since March of 2020, we have spoken to a lot of cyclists around the world. We've been Skyping with a lot of people for a different project that we're working on right now. And that has taught us this, uh, this fact that Wherever you are, in most cases, you'll be able to pick up on traveling by bicycle. All these self-made stories, really interesting stuff. Uh, We can name a few examples later on if you want. But basically, it comes down to the fact that sustainability in traveling by bicycle, it it just kind of goes together because you have a pretty minimal footprint when you travel on a bike. You use your legs as power. The only fuel that you use is your food. Uh, that pushes you forward and then there's multiple ways of going about making it more environmentally friendly you could for example choose to not use uh, a flight to completely disregard flying as an option of getting somewhere and travel by land instead which in many cases also isn't the most environmentally friendly thing because there's a lot of diesel trains out there that are really filthy. So probably, I mean, within Europe, you can probably travel by train just fine and call it a pretty minimum minimal footprint. 
so that's that's an option that you could look at the transport side of things you could look at what you consume along the way um, which I would give the tip to always eat a plant-based diet or vegan diet just to lower your footprint on that side as well and then lastly the the way the things that you take with you you know everything that you put on your bike and in your bags you can do a lot of work there too and in the beginning for myself um, I just looked at what I had available to me. So I bought some bags uh, uh, in a bike shop near me and I filled them up with things that I already had in terms of clothing and for example, uh, you know, cookware, cups that I took with me or, or cutlery, those kind of things. You don't have to buy everything new. Um, so there you could definitely take a look as well and optimize, see what you already have in your life. And if you do decide to buy something new, whether it's a bike or bags or, you know, a sleeping kit, etc., you can look at brands that are B Corps or uh, try to be responsible brand and try to lower their, their carbon footprint, etc. So not to, not to go much further into sustainability, I, I want to keep it to those uh, tips on traveling by bike. Traveling by bike, first yeah, of all, is going to be the most environmentally friendly choice, most likely, depending on how you do it. And then you can look at transport, what you consume on the way and what you consume beforehand. Okay, awesome. I mean, I'm listening here uh, because um, I've never actually did like travel uh, biking trips um, longer than you know, a couple of days. Like travel, I, I bike a lot, but it's... Um, it's my way of commuting and I'm just asking here because I'm getting, you know, inspired as well. I think that what I was talking about a lot um, on this podcast is that thanks to quarantine, I started to realize that um, there are a lot of interesting places right around the corner, um, everywhere you go. And I think uh, I am starting to get comfortable with the idea of um using just my legs and um, maybe some, you know, by buses or trains and my bike um, just as a way of traveling. And I think it's, it's a very nice way to just get to know your surroundings, your closest environment, and at the same time be a little bit more sustainable. And it's actually way more interesting than you would think because you would think that uh, you know your you know people who live around you but actually you can meet so many interesting people who are um, locals and you are a local like as well but speaking the same language when you travel is I think um, something I don't experience a lot of the times because uh, right I English is not my native language uh, but it's actually, I, w I find myself speaking English more than I do uh, Polish. So that's, it's funny in that way uh, yeah. because, <laughs> because actually I am, I don't know my own culture that well, if I were to be honest. And um, this sustainable way of travel with your bike, with going on this, th those trips, I think can be something more interesting than a lot of people yeah. expect. And and the cool thing, you know, just in, just to say you were, for example, to explore Poland by bicycle, is that you could literally leave from your doorstep and just start pedaling. And then, you know, one day out, you camp in 
the backyard of a friend that you know in the neighborhood and then the next day you're much further and the next day you're all of a sudden on the other side of the country and you're seeing things of your own country that you didn't even know were there. There's a stark contrast for some of the places that we've been between what you see and hear in media and news and when you actually go there and what you see with your own eyes and the things that you experience. There's there's even a big contrast, uh, not only in that, but also on seeing the same place. Like we've had the chance to, like for example, be in Kyrgyzstan and discover it first by bike. And then we've done another trip by car. And it has nothing to do. Like yeah. the, the, you miss so many things, you miss so many little opportunities of, like you say, meeting people on the way and maybe getting invited for for a tea and meet, meeting a local family and spending the night there. Whilst when you're in a vehicle, for example, you're there's this shell around you that stops you from experiencing things in the same way. Even the landscape, like when you're on the bike, you feel like everything is even nicer and more majestic because you've deserved it because you've biked there you've put your effort and it feels like the reward is so much bigger than just taking a car up a mountain pass and then taking this just one picture yeah yeah <laughs> and and imagine the thrill of having started in your home country and all of a sudden being, being on China? the other side yeah being on the other side of the world in just you know 12 <laughs> months or or 24 months uh, uh depending on where you cycle you could go so far just with your own legs and all of a sudden find yourself in wherever vietnam or china or uh you know spain for their side of the world or you know you go from alaska all the way to southern argentina just by bike it's all possible you'll have to have some transport uh in between but you can make that and you don't even need so much time for it and that's a very relieving realization to think okay i can just pick my bike up I just go, you know, south, north, east, west, wherever I want to go, and I'll see where I end up. And you can get to places super, super quickly, find completely different worlds, completely different social circumstances, generosity in all places. It just teaches you a lot about uh, the, the world that we live in. Yeah, and there's a little misconception where people think that you need to have a lot of money to do something like this. Well, if you what you need is time more than money. Once you have that time, then the budget is like it can spread for so for so much. Like we know people that have lived with three dollars a day. It was something yeah. like that. Yeah. Which at the end of the year, it's it's just nothing because all you need is your bicycle, then your sleeping gear, and yeah. on the way you're you're just like occasionally. Um, paying for food, paying for some stays. Right. So you're the very self-sufficient. little luxury, like yeah, a hotel yeah. room if you need it someday. Yeah. But you make the investment up front to get the gear, and then afterwards yeah. you're You're completely independent. You, yeah, exactly. Self-reliant, that's the word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I, I'm getting so inspired because, like, obviously I have to um, focus right now on my studies and all of those things. But... Um, Right. Even if you take um, right on holidays, these two week trips, it's a good way to just get to know um, yourself and get to know, like, be aware of your abilities and actually know mm-hmm. that I am capable of uh, biking, I don't know, 30, uh, 40, 50 kilometers a day. And that's actually not that bad. And um People don't appreciate, you know, when they talk about fuels, they don't appreciate that we also have potatoes as fuel <laughs> to take us uh, at the exactly. end of the world. So I think that 
that is awesome and i want to talk a little bit about you know living right off from your bag because that doesn't have to be so expensive traveling uh, all over the, the world doesn't have to be something extravagant and since all of your possessions have to fit on a bike you need to you need to have a lot of experience in packing light yeah. and kind of becoming a minimalist uh, so how do you approach planning what do you take on those trips? And then do you think that has this minimalist life on the road influence how you live at home when you get back? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's it been a journey for ourselves. Uh, that's definite. If you see how we started and where we are at now in this course of three years, like we've also shredded a lot, even right. though one would think that we couldn't even like get lighter. But that's also part of the fact that we've made the decision to explore this as a career path. Yeah. It's because because of that that we are still doing it and therefore that we can grow. Yeah. So don't feel intimidated by what we're going to say, but we we are down the path of going lighter and lighter. Yeah. Uh, there's two different uh, styles right now. Well, there's multiple depending on how you see it, but bike touring is really common and it's where you'll have racks on your bike and you put panniers on those big uh, big bags and you can it's it's a pretty chunky setup you can carry whatever you want um, you can carry a lot of food with you it's really great if you go very remote and then there's bike packing which is can be done in many different ways but basically it comes down to strapping bags on your bike and not having racks that you put bags on so you'll have less space and you'll be you need to be more conscious about what to take and just to come back on this uh what i said earlier that you can go through uh, your house your room your cupboards and see what you already have and can use that is true to the extent of bike touring i think if you go for a light setup you might find that a lot of the stuff that you own in normal daily life actually takes up a lot of space and you'll have to optimize there a bit but you can also make sacrifices and just take you know two shirts with you and try it out like that uh, depending on your uh, hygienic preferences. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've all we've all 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 made the mistake of carrying too much on the first tour. I, right. I don't think I know a single person that, that didn't have to ship something something back or had almost like a half a pannier of things that would they were never used. I mean, look at me in in the in the journey in the United States in 2014. <laughs> I decided to take uh, like a like a plug extender with me. One of those things that you put in the wall that you can have multiple plugs out of. I took that with me. I took a like a fake leather jacket with me because I thought it looked cool. Uh, I took all these things with me that made no sense. I was carrying water in a glass water bottle because I thought it looked nice. And it was heavy. That thing was like half a kilo. And I was chunking that along on my back in a big backpack. And if I just reflect back on that moment, it's completely obscene. But in, in that time... I was motivated. I thought that was the way to do it, and so I just went for it. So basically, any style you pick, you can you can pretty much uh, you know pretty much pack the the in the way that you have what you need. But you can make a lot of sacrifice, a lot of optimization, and yeah, the minimalist lifestyle. Some that someday will get to you if you really <laughs> really get expert in this. It's kind of forced because you know you have. Um, a certain amount of liters in the back so what you can fit in there is what you can take so what we do is we put all our stuff on the ground we're like okay um, go item by item what is this for when am I going to use it like do I use it enough to have to carry it for X amount of time 
And then if it fits, if it fits. If it doesn't fit, then you need to start uh, leaving things behind. Yeah. <laughs> like we, we do a lot of uh, selling, for example. Like every after every trip, we come back and uh, something we may need to optimize or we're not using, we sell it secondhand and maybe we buy something else secondhand if we need it, yeah. Right. And that process just keeps on repeating if, every every trip. The, of the course, well, I was going to say, we have a little box of things that whenever we settle down and we get our house, then that's a little box that we're saving at a family's <laughs> member place and then that will bring to our future home. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was just going to add that whatever you choose to take with you, you're going to have to carry it up the mountain, pedal it up the road, and you're, you're, sooner or later, you're going to make the choice to leave something yeah. behind if you pack too much. Every gram counts. <laughs> right, definitely. Yeah, I think that's, that's great. But um, do you think, like, when you come back, you actually want to, you know, after living uh, in uh, one T-shirt for a week, do you feel like you want to come back and you want to be, like, quote-unquote, uh, extravagant? Have a walk-in wardrobe? everything and uh, <laughs> be, like... Uh, prince and princess or do you find that when you come back <laughs> you actually stick with those a couple of couple of things you live uh you, you were you were living uh, on um the world totally i yeah. I, I call it the uniform i mean you you use your clothes when you bike and you use it also at home i change a little bit more like i use also my cycling clothes at home but i have a couple more things like thick jumpers that I cannot carry on a, on a tour and I just love wearing. So our wardrobe has become super minimal at home too, really. Like we wear kind of the same things. And in my case, I'm comfortable wearing yeah. the same clothes on a tour that I wear at home. Yeah. So for me, that's, that's totally fine. And it makes it very easy to not have a, even have a change that big between living at home and living on the bike. Yeah, but this you learn through the bike because really... Um, I, every time I've gone back to my parents' house in Spain, there's still a lot of things from when I was younger. And every time I go back, I need to do some cleaning up. Like, well, <laughs> I had so many shirts. I have so many shoes. Like, it's not necessary. Like, a couple, I don't know, a couple of shoes. Some, like, yeah, you don't need so much. We have so much. Yeah, we have. Yeah, I think a lot of people listening to this can probably relate yeah. with it. That if you open your wardrobe, there's a lot of things there that you don't really need. What is the fact that you always share? Like, how many items in the house? Oh yeah, really, I, I think, think it was it's Matthew. Three hundred thousand in an average American one, yeah. house. I, it's, it's from like the right uh, the documentary. One day, but yeah. if you, I want to count them one day. Like, want to go <laughs> to yeah, my parents' house and count. You, you think about it, all the items you have in your house, it yeah. really quickly mounts up. Yeah. Even in, in a pretty minimalistic home, uh, yeah. you will f probably find a lot of items. And so that, yeah, that realization definitely helped in uh, shaving, trimming things down yeah. to, to a minimum. And I, I want to add something else to that. Uh, and it's the fact that when you decide what to get, if you're in that position to spend a little bit more money on higher quality uh, gear or tools or uh, clothes or something like that, that you totally should because it will make things last longer and you'll, less, you'll be less likely to disregard one thing in your wardrobe, buy another thing and use it for a little bit and have it wear out and not be pretty and then add to the wardrobe of things you never use. So... That, that's something that I've uh, tried to take more seriously in trying to buy less. Looking forward to the moment where I finally have saved up enough to buy this, you know, waterproof jacket or something else that I really want and I'm going to use for a long time. So it's a, a, a change of mindset. The bike helps with it. The 
bike lifestyle helps with minimizing your your stuff that you have at home uh, and for us that's definitely uh, been the case and it's still a, a growing thing mm-hmm. <laughs> um so talking a little bit about your productions i mean they are they're gorgeous like both uh, of your channels i think look very professional thank you um but a lot of people don't realize the amount of work like you said that goes into it and i want to talk a little bit about the technical aspects of uh, your productions because right they look and sound so pretty and incredible um And can you share a little bit about how that creative process on the road looks like, which I think is uh, something that a lot of people don't think about because they think about their creators and that you have to have so much gear, you have to have the most expensive camera, most expensive microphone. And I think that um, you on the road with that minimal gear making these incredible you know, incredible quality productions is a way to show other people that you don't need a whole studio to make something beautiful. Um, so, right, right. Uh, can you share how how that process looks like and how also has it evolved since you started? Yeah. I started I mean, with, a, with a Canon 600D, just to put that in there. Canon 600D, you can find secondhand for probably 150 euros. And that was the first three years of the whole production. Yeah, we were both into photography when we were younger. Not not nothing professional, but we were interested. So I think we already had a little of a base when we started touring. But uh, yeah, we've never had the most expensive gear in general also because you don't want to travel, I think, with the most expensive gear. Right. Since right. it can right. get damaged, it can get stolen very easily. So something, yeah. we always go for something that's good, but it's um, it's like a compromise. And yeah. I, I try to have, um, for the camera, I try to have a, a thing that works universally, uh, whether it's video or photography. It always pursue, produce uh, produces... Uh, a good result not an excellent result not a garbage result just good good enough and um, I find that for the camera that we're using now I just use one lens Uh, I have an ND filter on there for the filming side of things I can leave it on or take it off for the photography and that makes it really easy to shoot both video and photography on the go we carry a tripod with us and then we of course have a lot of batteries so that we can last for many days Um, but other than that, we, we've tried to also keep that to a minimum of kind of a essential set of things that we need uh, on the technical aspect. Carry a drone with us as well for those nice aerial shots. And we use it not often, but uh, when the moment is there and the landscape is grand, then we try to, to use that as well. Um, yeah, I, uh, laptop and hard drives also to store everything. Right, yeah. But that depends a bit on the trip nowadays. If it's a short trip, we have a hard drive with us that accepts SD cards. So you can just offload the SD card straight into the hard drive without needing a computer in between. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we, we end up always saying to cyclists that, for example, want to join us on a trip that you shouldn't because we ride You know, five minutes, then we stop, we take this video, we take this photo, and then maybe we fly the drone, then we move on again, ride five minutes, stop again. And sometimes it's really that intense. Uh, I went to do a solo trip in Italy. It's up on my YouTube channel. You can watch the episodes there. And basically, it's me 
you know, cycling around, you don't see me getting off the bike, putting the tripod, putting a camera, taking the video, going back to the tripod, packing it up, going, you know, so it's, it's a process. And for us, it's we almost, like it. yeah, it's almost yeah, automatic. Like it. And I think on a walk the other day, we talked about this in another aspect. We said, you know, the fact that we record everything, even though it's a lot of work, it's really great because not only can we share it with the world and inspire lots of other people, we can also record our own life and look back at it, look back at these really these highlights of uh, things that we've lived together and look back at it in a completely edited way. You know, it's all pretty and nice to look at and it reinvigorates the memories that you have of a, of a certain place. Yeah, it's like instead of a photo album, we have a, a YouTube channel, yeah. like already five years old. So we can already yeah. laugh at our younger and selves. I think also it makes you... Um, look at the nature a little bit differently because um you you know you pass a nice mountain you think oh that's a nice mountain and you when you pass a nice mountain you like oh my god we have to capture it like look and you appreciate it more i mean that's yeah. what i do like when i go for a walk or when i travel with a camera i am so much more like aware and present in that moment because i am searching for right. something nice mm -hmm. and yeah. for a nice composition exactly. yeah It's it's uh, difficult also to find a balance in that, I must say, because yeah. for us, we, we've been a bit obsessed with it, and that has started to make place for a more balanced approach, where we say, okay, now we just have the, the if I may call it, the enjoyment brain, that's just the enjoyment brain going on, we cycle, we try to enjoy, and then sometimes you enter your photo brain, and that's when you look for the comp compositions, And sometimes you enter your video brain or because we're two, we can do this separately and say, I'll focus on video and you'll focus on pho uh, photography. And when those things are done, then snap, you go back to enjoyment and you really try to be present in the moment without screens in front of you. So that, that's been a, a learning curve because mm -hmm. it's not always the easiest thing if you get used to filming everything and photographing everything. Yeah, it's so easy to get stuck in doing only 20 kilometers a day because you're just recording all the time mm. and then you miss some of the the very authentic experiences that could have happened that day yeah i get that i think um last week last week um a couple of days ago actually i recorded an episode about this book um like chinese book uh Taoism actually and it talks about like moderation and balance and i think um this is something that sports and, and cycling and endurance sports teach you so much about your mentality and your mental health and and just as you do i love endurance sports because the you, you have the exposure to nature you have the improved physical health but also you have the improved mental health and uh, you spend hours and hours on the bike every day when you're on your trips and I think even though you are riding together, I presume that you are not talking to each other all the time and you also have to spend a lot of time with your own thoughts. Um, so what do you think have these hours of cycling taught you about your mind and how how then you put, try to put these lessons and, pra and practice them when you are not uh, on the bike? Do you want to hmm. give this a go? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know exactly, as in... I know that for many people, cycling and spending all these hours with, your, with yourself has been transformational because, um, you know, we tend to live a life where we have everything scheduled, at least me. 
and uh, there's always something to do and there's little time to sit and just be bored and on the bicycle actually I was a bit paranoid with that at the beginning and I thought that I had to listen to music and podcast all the time but eventually you find your peace at just being in silence and listening to your surroundings and just maybe not even thinking just staying quiet like turning your your the volume on your head off and just move forward and there's something many people call spiritual on that yeah yeah it's it's very nice it's very calming for sure yeah it's it's one of the probably one of the best things of uh of traveling on a bicycle because you're moving you're listening to the sound of the wind and the brush in the trees uh, just everything around you and it it puts you so close to all of those very basic natural elements i guess uh, that you it humbles you and you kind of go inside and your brain gets to yeah i don't i don't really know how to how to uh, give words to it it's a very special experience that uh, that's important to to surrender to uh, i noticed for myself that when i'm at home there's so much to do and there's all these tasks that I give to myself, you know, send this email and make this document and try to convert that PDF and then edit this video and then, oh, I have to go to the village to do groceries. And <laughs> there, it's a constant uh, stream of trying to keep myself busy uh, because when I sit down or lay down, I feel like I'm lazy or, you know, I get bored and that's not the way that things should be done. But then recycling... And all of that goes away because, one, you can't do it. Two, we probably don't have a mobile connection, so you can't be uh, can't be um, on your phone. You can't check Instagram. You can't do those things that we probably all find ourselves doing repetitively because we are bored and some, you, you have to fill that void. And all of a sudden, you're just on your own and you have to surrender to the fact that you're cycling and you're enjoying and you're hearing nature and that's the way it goes. So... Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's something that just comes with it, I guess. And it's a, it's a wonderful practice to think, uh, to, to go inside and to get to know yourself. Uh, if I may, I, I want to tell a personal story on that, um, United States journey. Uh, one of the reasons that I did it was that I had this relationship that broke and, I was super passionate in that. I was a very different person back then. And for me, it, it was a, a big shock to all of a sudden have that go away. So when I was on the bike in the United States, I was doing big distances and really on the, I guess, on the endurance field, the ultra endurance, which is not what we do nowadays. But I, I was really trying to go far and do a lot of distance per day. And that was physically super demanding. And I noticed that throughout that trip, actually because I put myself in that place in the heat of the summer in Arizona and New Mexico and the emptiness of Kansas and uh, I was there alone, that I went so deep inside and kind of figured out all the reasons that I was so broken by the fact that that relationship had gone away and came out of it on the other end in Los Angeles feeling satisfied and happy with myself and happy with the progress that I'd made. Um, so just in case someone's listening to this who is in a in a bad place right now or a sad place or yeah, a bored place like we probably all are during this <laughs> pandemic year, uh, um, it, it may be a good idea 
if not by bicycle, to go outside and you know go on a multi-day hike or multi-day bike ride. Or, uh, any, uh, give yourself and your brain the space to think and process everything that has happened in your life or in the last year or so. Uh, it will really, probably really have a, a profound effect on the way that you that you are here right now yeah i completely agree sorry i don't want to go too no, deep no, no. <laughs> that's awesome because um i i say it i think i say it all the time every time i have a guest but um having this long format makes me and the guests go into the details and the details are what um what people crave because we can all learn about you know i went on a bike trip and it was transformative okay we we, we, we you have you hear these stories all the time but you have to actually get into the details to learn how it was transformative and then maybe how it can be transformative to you as well um and i completely agree with what you said so hey about you know how what happened on that trip because Usually we're not uh, hurt and um, broken because we cannot handle our feelings. It's usually just because we don't give give ourselves time to analyze what we feel, how we feel, and is it really something that is worth our pain? And um, when you go to on that trip um, and you have to cycle because you know you are in the middle of the desert and you have no connection and the only way you can get back to normal civilization is to bike and and go uh, hours and hours um, through the on the road. I think when you have to stay on that road, you have to you. There's no escaping there's no escaping your feelings or thoughts and sometimes you have to like kind of um i want to say like close yourself in a cage but you know maybe just um close yourself like uh have yourself uh, on the road with no escape and i think that's something yeah. that can be helpful that you don't have any optionality of doing anything else you just have to you just yeah. have to process it, and there's no, there's no escaping. And I think that there's a, a lot of beauty in that because it's a meditation that you you cannot escape. Sometimes you know you can, um, with my, when I was a competitive swimmer, I was I could escape it with like I don't know I sung myself songs when I was still swimming or uh, counting and doing some weird ex- equations and trying to count how many uh, laps is how many meters all of those things but you can do it at some to some point and then there is no escaping like you can do some kind of distractions for a while but then you have to deal with all of these emotions and feelings and i feel like yeah. repeating myself and they, they come naturally i think they they come naturally in that in that moment whatever you're doing yeah um, it just uh, it drives itself yeah. in. So, you know, a couple of months ago, uh, you have published your own book, which, I mean, if not all of the else things that you do, <laughs> I think that's definitely a project which is worth admiring. And um, it contains pictures and stories from your bike trips, which are beautifully put together into a very gorgeous coffee book. Um, and it looks, of course, very pretty. Um, and it will be linked in the show notes for with everything 
else that you do. And I'm just really ex- interested in how you decided that, you know, hey, we are we're going to write a book. Um, so when did you first come up with that idea of writing a book? And also how has that project evolved since that first idea? Yeah, well, it's a funny story, actually, because um, like we said, we went on traveling without having any plans. Like We were just taking pictures with, because we liked it. And then uh, actually on our first uh, tour together, which was in Norway, uh, we were riding from the north of Norway to the south. And uh, we were there in the summer, which meant that the midnight sun was there, uh, meaning there was no night. So we usually cycled during the day and then went hiking in the evenings. And one of those days uh, in the island of Senja, we went up to a peak called, called Segla, which is now like uh, very exploited because of Instagram. <laughs> but back then it was still very quiet. And uh, we were up there and then suddenly we saw someone coming up and I were like, oh, it's late in the night. It has to be a photographer because who else would be up here in the middle of the night taking pictures? Yeah. In the Arctic Circle. In the Arctic Circle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so eventually it was a photographer. Uh, he name, his name is Johan Lolos and he's known as the Le Backpacker on Instagram. And we started chatting and we spent some time together. Uh, he was actually there preparing um, for his own book. He, was, uh, he published it. It's called Peaks of Europe. And uh, yeah, that was most of like we went spent some time together. He gave us a lift over a tunnel, and that's it. Like we just stayed in touch online after that. So one day, I don't know how long, like a year after, a year and a half after, he published this book, and he was commissioned to find new stories that would be interesting to be published. And he thought about us, and he emailed us, and like, hey, my like, would you like to have a call with the publisher, and maybe they see if your story is good, and tell them what you would write a book about. Yeah. And then yeah. he 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 emailed that, and we scheduled a call with him, and he. Uh, you know, we were on the call casually. Hey, how are you? You know, things catching up. And then he's like, do you want to write a book? <laughs> and we're, we're there thinking, uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> and so we answer him, yes, that that's something that we would like. And he tells us, well, what, what do you think it will be about? Give me a concept so I can present it to the publisher. Okay, stress. Well, uh, you know, we already cycled some European countries, then we went to Central Asia, so that's two continents. We're planning a trip to uh, North America to cycle the west coast of the US. Maybe that can form the concept of a book. Okay, so let's do that. And he presented that concept to uh, to his publisher, which is in, in Belgium, and um, they picked up on it and emailed us some like I think the first day we were cycling the west coast in in California we got this email saying hey you know it would be really great to connect we heard that you're uh, uh, cycling now so do take your time but let's connect when you're back and start working on this so it was essentially a sort of an invitation which made it uh, which made us really lucky to have had that entry because it's a difficult thing to find a publisher who actually wants to publish your stories or your book uh, uh, concept. So we just went to work on it, um, had a lot of first-time experiences. It's not easy to uh, to make a book, uh, for sure. But went it's through it. It's a lot it. of work, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and in the end, learned a lot of lessons. Um, published Bike Life, which is now uh, uh, you know sold in, in a lot of places around the world. It's super impressive for us and a compliment, of course. 
And we hope that it uh, it inspires a lot of people to also consider traveling by bicycle through our, our stories and uh, and visuals. Uh, it's full of pictures. It has a lot of lot of advice, which we love because usually coffee table books they are there for the visuals and. You know, you see it on your table and you have friends over and they look at it and it's all beautiful, but usually it lacks a bit of um, deeper advice and knowledge. So we wanted to add a lot of that and we did. Uh, in the back of the book, you'll see that the pages are all pink and that's the advice section where we go nail down, you know, all the things that are uh, good to know when you're uh, considering traveling by bike. And just all in all, it became a, a wonderful yeah. project to have done together. Yeah, we're very happy that it happened just like this. Like it's not something we were planning, um, and it's something that actually happens when you travel by bicycle. Like you meet random people, and random opportunities pop up from maybe like like forever lasting friendship to little job opportunities like this. Yeah. So you never know what's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, a global community of people that try new things and really submerge themselves in something that is quite scary at the at the beginning um, it gives a lot of uh, a lot a lot of different connections socially if you think comparing it to a life of staying at home and going to work that is much more of a it's a much smaller circle that you find yourself in and when you go traveling you you expand that circle and you uh, invite random opportunities to happen so it happened to us like that we were super lucky Um, I would encourage anyone who thinks they have a worthy enough story to share and perhaps accompanied by good quality images to always give it a go to contact a publisher or, you know, self-publish on Kickstarter um, because it's uh, it's it's something that, uh, that we need right now. We need more stories, more, you know, of these really cool outdoor activities and try to inspire a lot of people to, to go outside and connect with nature on different levels. So, yeah. I, I, I mean, it was like kind of written in heaven, I think, uh, for you to, to write this yeah, book right? because uh, it, it happened for you. And I think it's, it's amazing because um, there are these opportunities that people don't um, think about when they are considering starting a, a new chapter or quitting their job and trying something else. And they expect that it's going to be just grinding and it's going to be hard and it's going to be difficult but um in the alchemist by paulo coelho i don't know if you read it but um there is this um he, he says that if you are uh, trying to achieve your dreams the entire universe is what works for you and works to help you <laughs> and i think it's your story is such a good example of that because you tr you, you went on doing what you love, and everything else, right, the money part that we were talking um, at the beginning, and then all of these other amazing opportunities, the people, and uh, this book that happened for you, and I like to think that it's because you decided to make that leap and try something, which seems really scary, because, like, let's not say it's not, because it is scary, like, leaving your whole life behind and trying something completely different. I think um, it's this courage is then rewarded if you believe that this is something that is worth your, it, that, that you dream about. I think it then is rewarded um, from everyone, from the whole 
you know, from the whole world, it's, it's re- rewarded with um, people wishing you good luck and trying to help you out. And I think it's it's amazing. Like, it's amazing what, um, what can happen when people um, try to achieve their dreams. And yeah. Yeah, I think that's, that's completely awesome. And, and with, uh, without expectations also. Because uh, nowadays it's more difficult for us to not have expectations because now we have this first book so we can work on a second one and that means all the trips need to be shaped so that they can fit in a second one and that we didn't have in the beginning. We, like Belen said, we were just going for it and just shooting the pictures to share them around and not to make a book. So I love that you brought it up, that this universe conspiring around what you do uh, putting in the work and getting getting it out uh, as a as a result in the long term is definitely true. Uh, not to say that we were probably lucky, but that's luck in in its own way. And depending on what you go and do, uh, luck will find you, and the universe will uh, will reward yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know this might take a while though. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, well, this has been such a pleasure like i really enjoyed this conversation i think it has so many amazing you know pieces of advice and so many insights that i think can help the listeners and you know anyone who is thinking about trying and making that leap whatever it is it may be like for me you know it was starting this podcast then for in a couple of years it's going to be something else and if you are wavering at making some kind of choice i think um tristan and belen is uh, are amazing um examples of that everything is going to be okay and i will link all of the things that you do some people can check them out but uh, do you want to plug them do you want to um share uh, some <laughs> things where people can find you sure yeah, we both have uh, our YouTube channels and Instagram for photography, YouTube for video. Uh, I uh, have my own website, and well, I, I guess you'll link it all in the in the show notes, so we don't have to mention them. <laughs> but um, that that's all of the places that you can find us. And Bike Life uh, is uh, for sale pretty much everywhere in the world. You can always find it on Amazon uh, or. Possibly your local bookshop can order it if you want to take a look. Or if you want a signed copy, you can get it directly through Trishna's website. <laughs> yes. And uh, just to tell you something else, we have been working on this project that I mentioned earlier since the start of the pandemic. It's uh, probably going to be very big and inspire lots of people to go cycling. It's a different thing than bike life is. It is another coffee table book. It's yeah. another book, yeah. <laughs> and you'll you'll uh, know more about it soon, but we can... Um, well, maybe we shouldn't spoil it. You can just go to my website, yeah, probably by the time this podcast is up. Uh, all, we'll all, you know, uh, find out when the time yeah. is right. It, it's coming soon. Uh, depending on when you're listening to this, it's probably April 2021. So that's going to be a really exciting project and uh, we can't wait to reveal what's going okay. on there. That's awesome. Okay, thank you so much for coming. It was really an amazing pleasure to talk uh, to both of you. Yeah, thank you for having us. <laughs> awesome. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye. <Speak> soon. <laughs> are just such amazing people and such sweethearts i mean talk about relationship goals am i right 
they're just awesome and they inspire me i mean i have to say that after this conversation i'm considering hopping on a bike once it's finally warm and just exploring or biking to my friends on the other side of the country like i said i've never done um cycling trips this long but from their videos it looks so much fun and i really i'm really interested in doing that actually after i stopped recording and i talked with Tristan and Belen for a couple of minutes, I immediately went online to look at bikes uh, to buy because right now I'm using an old one that used to belong to my father and it's in a bad condition, to be honest. But damn, they really inspired me. Um, let me know if you feel the same way after you listened to this conversation. As for the insight of this episode, since it's another episode this week, I'm just going to read out a quote that I've been pondering lately. This quote is by Eckhart Tolle, or Eckhart Tolle. Um, uh, there are just two ways <laughs> that people pronounce his name. He wrote The Power of Now, which I'm reading at the moment, and it says... If you get the inside right, the outside will fall into place. Primary reality is within, secondary reality is without. And I think this quote ties really nicely with what we talked about with Belen and Tristan, about that when you have enough courage to follow your dreams and take care of your soul, then the whole world conspires to help you out with the rest. I think there is a lot of truth in there and there are a lot of people whose story can be a good example of this phenomenon. Like, I mean, <laughs> if you think about Tristan and Belen, they're a great examples. So if you're interested in how this phenomenon works, I, I recommend reading uh, The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho because the whole book is basically a story about that, about well, what happens when you follow your dreams. I want to thank you so much for listening to this episode and I will speak to you very, very soon. is written, edited and produced by Julia Spohr. If you want to learn more, visit our website attached in the show notes or visit our Instagram page, which you can also find in the show notes. There are a couple of ways with which you can support the show. The first one is just telling your friends and family about the show and that you like it. You can also share it on your social media platforms. And another way to help us is to write a review and subscribe to the show because that helps others find this podcast as well. Thank you so much for listening and I will speak to you in the next one.